everyone, and welcome to This Is Whole Life. This week, we continue with our second installment of our Love Is series with words like jealousy and envy, because love is... Not. Not. Yes, not. not. I forgot that. See, that's... And so these, we really put jealousy and and uh, envy on the anvil this week and just needed to kind of crush them with that velvet sledgehammer, but take the velvet off it. Just, 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 just crush it. Off. Yeah. So before we go too far, I just wanted to, and I, I think I know your answer, but when you saw, we had an online survey this week uh, with Menti, just asking on a scale of one to seven, one being not jealous, seven being over the top, as jealous as you can be, where do you rate yourself as being jealous or have being envy? Were you surprised with the way it came out? Well, it was definitely different than the study that I was uh, kind of basing it off of. There was a study actually done in Australia. Uh, I think 18,000 adults were asked on a scale of 1 to 7, how envious are you? Okay. And I think that over 54% said that they were either a 1 or a 2, so not envious at all. Over or half? Just a, oh, yeah, over half That's, were oh, yeah, a yeah, 1 yeah, or right. a 2. I was thinking and, the other way. Yeah, okay. And then only, I think, just uh, under 4% gave themselves a 6 or a 7. So in our survey, being that we're good Christians, we all put ourselves in as a <laughs> as a 3, 4, or 5, you know? It's like, yeah. it's uh, maybe it's that Laodicean, uh, not too hot, not, not too, too cold. cold type of thing. I don't know, Goldilocks, something like that. So, it's just right. Yeah, so just, you know, just right... <laughs> Yeah, just right for jealousy. You know, That's you know, right. Just right there in the middle. So I right. can be, you know, I might not be. And so, they, no, I don't think it did surprise me that much, though. I I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like for the audience, it kind of made sense. Okay. I Were mean, you surprised? I was a little surprised. I thought, I thought there would be more people. I didn't see this as a a negative to me, to be honest. If you're a jealous person, now, now I'm going to. Bring that in. A li- I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bring it in yeah, a little let's bit. Let's explain this a little. Is that I? I mean, there's jealousy. Obviously, can be very bad, and being envious of someone can be very, very bad. Envy, almost. I don't know if there's ever a good envy, but we did go over that. There can be some positive jealousy. We we answered that in the message, which multiple people came and brought that question. Uh, I happened to be doing the Q&A this week because Stanley was gone, and Stanley was – he was being the good the good church member, the, yeah. good, the good worship host. He's on vacation, and he's logging in from the beach to make sure I have a good question. We do church on vacation. To Come ask on. Ken. And, uh, of course, Ken got to the answers before that, but it basically was – Preemptive strike. That's pre- what I always preemptive say. Preemptive strike about, you know, well, the Bible tells us God's jealous. So I guess I just – with all – kind of in, in that vein, I was like, well – you know, I mean, there was a time in my life when I was younger, I was I was pretty jealous, but I didn't see it as really bad. Like, oh, yeah, I'm jealous of, you know, my, my girlfriend. You know, So were you envious or were you jealous? I think I was more jealous. Okay. Afraid of losing something kind afraid of fear, of, fear of, of something being taken away or – because I never and, – and here's and here's maybe why. And I, I wrote this down and it was the only thing that I remembered. <laughs> from my sermon? <laughs> from the sermon that I had because I was chatting with everybody online. And I wrote this down because it really came to me as – again, because I was thinking to myself, well, I don't know. Everyone – I thought there would be more people that would have chosen jealous. That's all. Like, so you thought there would be more people like six or sevens? I, at least fives. And sixes, yeah. maybe. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone's going to admit 
to being, being a, a seven. seven. Yeah. And I don't think anyone that's a seven knows they're a seven. You don't think so? I, I don't. Because I feel like most people that are over the top jealous okay. are just like, no, this is this, this is, is the, normal. This is the right thing. I should be. This is okay. mine. You know, yeah. like I, I just don't know that that's a but growing up the way I did in the Midwest, you know, you have the whole boot ma- bootstrap mentality. Yeah. And I always think we talk about that in a negative context. But in that atmosphere in my life growing up, even as in church as a kid, uh, church school growing up, it also came for if you want something, go get it. You have to work for it. No one's going to give it to you. Nobody owes you anything. That can be a huge negative way to look at your salvation, <laughs> that nobody owes you anything, even though God already did it for you and you have to somehow work for it. But in the context of jealousy, you know, I had my first job when I was 12 because my parents were like, well, if you want a car, guess what? You pay for gas. You don't have any gas, you can stay home. Oh, if your car's not insured, guess who's paying for that? And if it's not, then you can stay home. So it was always kind of a work for what you want. So like I had friends that had better cars than I had. They had better, you know, whatever than I had. And I was just always like, yeah, but they're working for it. So I wouldn't begrudge anybody. Something like wow, that. Wow, all your friends worked for it, huh? Most of You I had mean, different friends than I had. We were just blue-collar Midwest. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, because everybody in the Midwest is blue-collar, right? A lot. At least where I'm from. Okay. In Green Bay. Green I mean, Bay. 1970s, sure. 80s. You know, that's a blue-collar town. There wasn't sure. much back then. So very agricultural. And paper mills were yeah. the big, you know, the big employers and things. So I just felt like that was... Maybe not so good that I'm looking at it that way, but I just noticed that that was how I felt growing up. And it wasn't until later in life when, you know, you start getting around other people that are just like, well, uh, you know, I don't have to do anything for anything. My parents have either given it to me or, you know, grandpa and grandma or, you know, so I just I haven't had to really put any effort for this. And you go, wow, that's. But then I also looked at that and almost felt sorry for a way because you also notice that in many of those cases, those people don't appreciate what they have. Right. So I don't know how that how that works out. But I, I just thought that there would be more people that would be jealous. I don't know. I just I just didn't think I just didn't see that coming together the way that it did. And but then when you put the the other survey over it, and you're like, whoa. So maybe I'm totally missing that that part of the jealousy, the envy I get. The envy I totally get because you can, you can look at something and go, man, I worked hard, and this is what the fruits of my labor allowed me to do. Yeah. But then I became a financial advisor, and then that also went kind of away too because I was like, man, this person makes a ton of money, but I've got more money saved, and I don't make anywhere close to what they do because they live a different lifestyle. Right. So I think it's always the perspective that we come from, and that's why this one really threw me off because – I've been on so many different sides of this, like you see, growing up professionally, and now I'm just like I, you know, look at people laugh at my truck. I love my truck. I'm like you don't want another car? I'm like, have you seen my truck? I love my truck. And most people are like, that thing's a piece of junk. It leaks oil. The hood's popped up on one side. It's rusty. It's old. I'm just like I know, but it's wonderful. And I just don't care about stuff, I guess, that much. So I'm probably the wrong person well, to it's do not this just stuff, though, right? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a necessity in today's society. You have to have a vehicle to get to work and stuff, but it is. It's just stuff. You ever look at people who seem to be having an easier time in life? I'm not talking about stuff, but just, you know, feels like sometimes God gives you a little extra 
oh. and you look at other people and you're like, could you give them a little something? I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm carrying all the weight around here. I mean, no, that, you never feel like that? I do. I, I guess I'll, I'll be. I think envy comes. I think envy and jealousy comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. And I think we often just kind of apply it to having stuff. stuff. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, well, like, you know, because I'm I'm not a stuff person at all. I like I, you know, like you said, I I drive to. Ford vehicles that are not high-end vehicles around, and I'm very happy. My son is like, well, if you could have any car you want, what would you have? And I'm like, mm, pretty good with Ryan. He's like, you're out of your mind. What, I mean, what about a Tesla? What about a Porsche? And I, yeah, I mean, be, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't turn it down, but it doesn't, I'm not, I don't spend a lot of time. But then, but then I look at people who I feel like are less talented and have gone further in life with their careers um, maybe yeah. reaching goals and I and I and that's where I probably tend to start feeling envious of, of that sort of thing it's very easy for me to look at other pastors and if if it doesn't feel like the church I'm in is thriving the way that their church is then I I, I can I can start feeling like man well I mean yeah <laughs> why not God I mean you know I'm I'm working I'm sure I'm working as hard as they are yeah. and why not you know why not what I'm doing so I think that I don't know I I feel like you know, I think there are probably some people that truly are that jealousy it's just like kind of any other sin I think that there are certain sins that we gravitate towards, towards. Yeah, and, that, and that we don't gravitate towards yeah. you know for me you know, I, I, there was a period of my life where I worked around people that were drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, smoking all the time around me. I mean, all the time, and never, never once was tempted. I was invited, and just never was had any interest whatsoever for me. So I'm sure it's like the same way with jealousy and envy that there are just people out there that just just it's, like, it's just well, it is what it is. I'm not, yeah. but I'm just I'm pretty, I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. So I, I kind of accept that. I but I do tend to feel like. Jealousy and envy are more of a universal problem than most people are willing to to admit. I think that yeah, most of the time that. we kind of gloss over it because, I mean, you just think about, I mean, the entire advertising industry uh, marketing is predicated on <laughs> exactly. on making you envious or jealous. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't want that to be, you know, insurance. I'm afraid of losing something, so I'm going to buy insurance, which is not me saying insurance is a bad thing. It's a good thing. I have insurance. Sure. Yeah. I. But what I'm saying is there's a whole host of things that I think we tend to do because for fear of losing something or out of wanting to have something. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you just look at just about any advertisement anywhere, whether it's on a billboard, on TV, uh, on your on your phone, whatever – and it's usually targeted at if you had this, your life would be better. No, I, I get that. That's and I I don't want to say like make it sound like I'm never jealous or I'm never envious. No, because it's okay, it, Randy. Because, we, we accept that you because it is true. I mean, like you said, professionally is a big one for a lot of people. Yeah. And then when you get into the you get into that world in the professional world, and then you start to realize that there are favorites. You know, there are people yeah. that have connections that you will never have. Yep. There are people who have been given every advantage in life that you could possibly imagine. Monetary, they've got the connections, they're hitting the ground with everything they could possibly need. And you're just trying to, you know, fake it till you make it, learn what you need to do, try to keep up and, and do all these things. 
And yet so many times, and again, this one probably stems more from my time as a financial advisor where you really learn what people's lives are really like because mm-hmm. you are yeah. – we always used to say that you're one – like one-third of your job is a financial advisor. The other two-thirds is I'm Jeff every day for, for clients. You are their therapist. And it's like, well, my wife doesn't save money and – I can't get ahead because Ken, you know, Ken's dad is the conference president. And so, you know, Ken gets whatever he wants and, you know, Ken gets this and, you know, yeah. and you hear all these things and you go, wow, you you don't even realize like I used to – and working in the healthcare was where my clients were healthcare clients. And the part of it that really I probably cemented this most to me was like, you know, you re, you have to realize like you're in the top 0.01% of wage earners on the planet – and you 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 can't pay your bills. You can't even, you can't save. You're you're miserable because you're accumulating. But yet, driving in, you know, you're driving the BMW. You're wearing the the great suit, and you have, you know, the right everything else. So part of that to me was just a a realization that overall in my life I was pretty happy, and I was okay with whatever I had, and I've always just really loved my family and felt blessed that I've got good people around me and I have fun when I'm with my family and I'm blessed and I'm taken care of. And that feels pretty good to me versus, I mean, but if there's a place I'm probably jealous or envious, it's my Harley. I'll, I'll I'll be honest there. That's, that's my baby, you know? And so if you find something that you is your hobby and you love it and you want to be, you look at someone else and go, Whoa, now, if I could have that for my bike, you know, and 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 sometimes it's probably more so than it should be, <laughs> just to be honest. But I think overall, I, I I resonated with, and this was the funniest part, to the children's story. Okay, the, the it was David and Saul, right? And I thought to myself, if there's ever a roadmap for someone who dealt with the most crazy, jealous person, I mean, Saul was a ten on our one to seven, right? And so, if there was ever anyone. That did this the right way, and then it makes you realize those things that maybe you overlook, like you said. But in the in the in the in your life, and you've got something going on. And David was like, "I mean, this guy's trying to kill. Not you know, he's not just jealous. He's trying to kill him. But at every opportunity, David's like, "No, I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to do anything because you are God's chosen person." And I thought to myself, "How do we become David?" When we feel that way to just go, no, no, you're one of God's children. Because if, we, if we're all chosen by God, then I, I really can't do that to you. <laughs> but how do we – I think David was in a different place spiritually. I mean obviously being the psalmist and you look at the way he just was in awe of God. And I not that I don't feel that way myself sometimes, but – it seems like on another level that he had that, and that seems to come true or to come to fruition in this story. How do we become more like th- that David, young David, when why should – I mean because most of us are like, Saul's in the uh, – they were very kind in the story for the kids. Saul was relieving himself in the, in the, <laughs> in the cave, yeah. and he had a chance to take him out. Yeah. So, and, and for the rest of us, maybe we just watch too many Hollywood movies. You're like, there's your chance. Yeah. Do it. You swap me out in that story. I'm pretty sure I'm taking Saul out. And I don't know how how you bridge the gap for where we are today, because I don't think the world is the same place, obviously, than it was then. 
but what's what's the motivation? Where do we find that motivation in God? What do we look for? How do we ask for that? Because I don't even know what you ask for. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, what would you ask for? You, I guess you would be asking that God help you to be content. I think that's what you're asking for, for contentment. And I think we have to also realize that David did go cut off a part of Saul's garment. And and what the text actually says is that that his conscience got the better of him after doing that. That even, mm, even doing right. that, he felt guilty about later on. And so he was he thought he was acting pretty righteously not to kill Saul and only to cut off part of his garment. But um, his conscience got the better of him later on. He was like, "Hey, you know that even what That's I true. even that wasn't the right thing to do." <laughs> and you have to think it would have been incredibly frustrating to be David to know that God has chosen you to be the next king of Israel and to sit and wait for God to go ahead and do what God is going to do in His time. So I really do think that that jealousy and envy. Uh, have to be replaced with trusting and contentment in God. This this idea that God will give you what He needs to give you when He needs to give it to you, rather than feeling like you need to go get what you need to go get now because you need to take care of you. But that was a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a long time for day, and that's I think that's one of the injustices of reading scriptures. We read through chapters where <laughs> where decades go by. by yeah, um, in some cases <laughs> centuries. In the next verse, you're kind of three seconds away from reading the last story, whereas they're 20 years, 30 yeah. years away from from that story at the next point that you read it at. And we lose a little bit of sense of the patience that it really truly took for David and other Bible characters to truly trust God to get them to where they needed to be. Well, and to constantly be in fear for your life by the most yeah. powerful person around yeah. and that had all the resources to do you wrong and then to just constantly, you know, they were they were in the desert, they're in the caves. I mean, they're running and there's you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And so it's almost amazing that to have even the conscience to go, oh, man, that was even too far. Yeah. Considering how all that came together. But so I just sat wondering if this is a personality thing. You know, the younger David prevails through all of this somehow, <laughs> somehow. So I wonder, do we have times or is there any – does maturity play into this? And how do we – or is it just a personality thing where it's like you said before, it's, you know, everyone has their, their sin to deal with and maybe this is yours where this is the more difficult? Yeah, I think it is. I think – I think it is. I think it's one of those things where for some people it's going to be more difficult for others. And I think that, again, we have to bear with people where they're at. It's easy to be judgy and say, oh, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. Or why is that so hard for you? It's not hard for me. Uh, Um, And so I think we need to be careful with that. But I also think we need to also recognize that part part of not being jealous and part of not being envious is being content. In Jesus, and, and and I think that comes from walking with Him, spending time with Him. You know, one of the things that I I know that I got out of college with a kind of a master plan of where I wanted to be, when I wanted to be there, with my career and the, oh, the yeah. ideas that I had, and the idea expectations for earning and what you know, all that sort of thing. And I think that one of the things that God has really worked hard on me with was to relinquish my plans to him because that's that's where I'm jealous. I'm jealous for my future. I know what I want to accomplish. I know who I want to be in life. And so God has had to really work on me to say, whatever I give you is what you need. It's not just you coming up with your plan for your life or being frustrated with me for not giving you what you think 
is your due that you've worked hard for? Because I grew up in, I guess, a white collar family, but a blue collar at the same time. My dad's a physician's assistant, but you know, he kind of went to work uh, for a doctor in a in a small town at the time. And so he wasn't making huge money. And we, you know, my dad, we had a, a wood stove that we'd go cut wood for oh, yeah. and pile up the wood stack for the winter. And, yeah. uh, you know, we had a garden, not because we uh, thought that was a fun hobby, but because it was a good source good for of food, food yeah. for, Us too. you know. Yeah, both of those. So, you know, all that stuff being said is that, you know, when I look at my life, it's easy to think, okay, I've worked really hard to get what I what I have. I, you know, I don't have a dad who's a conference president or <laughs> that was even a pastor, really. My dad, I feel like my dad taught me 90% of my theological knowledge because my dad loves the Lord, loves the Bible, and drilled it into us as kids. But, you know, I didn't have that. And so it's easy for me to, to think, well, I've worked really hard. I need to be here. I need to be there. And I, I've got this goal for myself or this thing that I I want to do. And I think for me, one of the hardest things to do is let go of my career because even though I know I'm not going to be around to read my tombstone <laughs> um, or hear my obituary being read, I'd still like to know I have this idea <laughs> of what I want it to say. Um, yeah. And a lot of times the things that I want it to say are probably not the things that it needs to say. Mm. In other words, the things it probably needs to say is he was a good husband he, his kids always knew that he loved them. He was there at, at their events. He was willing to sacrifice, whereas mine is he he achieved this, he achieved that, he um, did this, he did that, he was you know this person, that person. And so I think that um, each one of us has that thing that we like hold on to. For some people, it's a career. For other th- people, it's it's status, you know, in life. For other people, it's wealth. But we all have something that we kind of hang on to. Some of us, it's it's uh, we we live to to have fun, you know. It's and we hang on to the just the having fun. Don't take my fun away, you know. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. And so I think all of us have to kind of go ahead and 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 release our times into God's hands and just say, hey, whatever you give me is what's good, and I will be content. Uh, so I think I really do think um, that the opposite of envy. And jealousy is contentment. I like that because I hadn't really thought about it, and it's it's obvious after you said it, but looking at, man, I really wanted to accomplish this, or I really saw myself doing this, or man, this isn't what I thought. You know, we've all been through parts of our career where you're like, come on, God. Mm-hmm. I prayed I needed a job, and man, this job? Yeah. I hate this job. But for whatever reason, and then after you go through it, you probably learn, I'm assuming, just a small part of why you were really there. You, and you seem to figure it out, and that seems to make sense. And I'm always wondering when I get to heaven, I've got two jobs that I've had in my life that I want to know. Like, why, 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 <laughs> why, why? didn't really think about it in that context before, but just not even being envious of what you think God should give you or what you think, you know, come on, God. I mean, you could totally see how I would be awesome at my plan, right? Yeah. You could see that. <laughs> well, think about it. It's not just, and it's not just God. It's it's our it's our children. It's our spouses. Yeah. It's uh, the important people in our relationship that we're in relationships with and that we care about. And it's very easy to become envious and jealous. We 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 become envious of we we want what something in that relationship that they're not willing to give. They're taking something that we don't want to give. 
And it's very easy to become jealous and envious in those relationships and say, hey, well, you know, not right. And we we aren't content in those relationships. And that's the problem. That's why why Paul says love is not jealous or envious. And, and in the original Greek that he's writing in, that word that he writes can mean either jealous or or envious. And if you listen to the sermon, the difference being envy is wanting something that someone else has. Jealousy is not wanting to give something that you have. It's it's the idea that 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 you're afraid something's going to be taken away from you. And so yeah. you're you're holding on to it, not wanting to give. And and I we do that and and that really kills relationship when we do that. You know, we think about God and what he does for us and he is generous and he gives of himself. He gave the very best that he had, his son. He didn't hold on to his son. He gave that to us. And so if we really, truly want to be loving, we we really need to think about what Paul has to say, because the quickest way to kill a relationship is to to be stingy and, and and to not be content with what it is. So much, so many times we want things that we deserve. Yeah. You know, if you work hard, you deserve, you know, from the world standpoint, you deserve something. You deserve to be treated a certain way. If you are kind to someone who's mean to you, you deserve for them to apologize and be kind back to you. If you, you know, it, it, we have all these things that we 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 think we deserve. And so the, the true test of con- contentment and not being jealous and not being envious, the true test of that is how we react when the things that we want, we don't get. Yeah. And the things that we have that we don't want to give are taken. And what our reaction is to that, if we can still find contentment and peace during those times, then I, then I think we tr- probably truly are living a truly loving life. But for most of us, that's not the case. Most of us, yeah. you know, I had an incident over the weekend where I just I saw red because somebody did something that I just knew was completely unjust and it wasn't right. And I then got to go ahead and review my sermon in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that always happens when you start to think. It's like whenever you buy a car, you go, I never saw this car on the road until I saw, right. until I owned Isn't the that car. Isn't the craziest thing? And then all of a sudden it's everywhere. It's and then, everywhere. And I think that's part of the, why I love doing the podcast is because when you do the message and, and those kinds of things happen, and then knowing that you're going to be preparing, you start to think about it in different ways and you try to find – Maybe things that you haven't thought of before and trying to make it interesting and just and really trying to learn, really trying to to make ourselves better. I hope that's why we all listen and participate in the podcast. But when you said that envy wants others, what others have and jealousy doesn't want to share or lose. Man, and, you know, I, I, I share this a lot and it's only because it's what's one of the defining moments in my life was is Emily. And when you, every parent, you know, you want 10 fingers, 10 toes, you want them to be healthy, you want them to grow up to be doctors, lawyers, because um, mama don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. We know that. Or pastors, apparently, according or, to some, some uh, video yeah. I saw somewhere from Florida Hospital <laughs> Church at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you have all these. Shout these, out to Andy. That's right. All these dreams and all these things and expectations and. Like, again, this plan, I've just laid out what it, and it, and it needs to go the way I want to. And then when you realize that there is absolutely no way, just, there's no way <laughs> that it's going to be what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's no longer an option. It's no longer 
Um, you can do all the tutoring. You can do all, you know, you name the different piece or the part that you want to fix. And it just isn't going to be that. And that was probably the most sobering part to me where it was like, if I don't give this to God, I'm going to, I literally am going to go insane Mm -hmm. because I can't fix anything. I'm a guy. This is what I'm supposed to do. And literally, you know, you sit in a in, in an IEP cl- uh, meeting with public school or any school that has an IEP if your child has special needs. And they, they basically bust out a ream of copy paper yeah. and they read it across the table. And it's like everything your kid sucks at. What can't they do? Oh, well, let me remind you. And it's like, no, 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 I, 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 I know perfectly well what they don't do well. Uh, and that, But it's very – and then there's like two things where it's like, well – they were a little bit more, you know, amicable in a few things. And you're like, oh, good, good. We're going to, we'll save those for the last one. You've already, you know, been hunting for the quickest way to just get out and, yeah. you know, and not be there. And that probably has taught me more personally about that, that, you know, this is God's plan somehow. And I hate it when people say that. Well, you know, God knew that. You know, Emily needed you. And it's like, you know, this is God's plan. I don't think so. And I'm not still sure how I completely feel about all that. But in the end, you do realize that, you know, God loves her just like he loves Ellie, my oldest, who doesn't have those special needs. And then it came to me that really we all have special needs, how God must look at all of us (laughs) when he's like, we're so broken from what he wanted us to be and what he wanted for us to live in, to be in, to thrive in. And he must do the same thing that I do and go, wow, but I still love you. And maybe that was for me and, you know, our lives definitely changed a lot over the last decade. And that's probably one of the lessons I learned was just when you're faced with things that you, there's like, doesn't matter what connection you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't, none of it matters because there's nothing that can be done. And then it's just a matter of, well, I guess I got to give this to God and then when you see those things thrive, it, you kind of start questioning yourself, what else should I be giving to God that could be allowed to thrive if I just wasn't holding on to it? Um, I, so I love that part about the envy and jealousy. I thought that was probably my favorite part of what we took away from the message. All right. We did have a couple of quick questions from the Q&A. Stanton asked, will you address if surrender and vulnerability to Christ – have anything to do with confronting jealousy and the value we place on others? Yeah, I, I think that surrender and, and vulnerability are, are very keys, uh, very important keys to to what we were just talking about. You know, if if we are going to accept what God has is doing and is allowing in our lives, then the surrender is a huge part of of that surrendering to God's mm. God and allowing Him to be. In charge, I think that we have to do that if we truly want to to kind of overcome envy and jealousy in our lives. Yikes! The, again, just like that. Once you realize what else should I give to God, and that and it makes the rest of this so good. I mean, it doesn't make it. We're still inhuman. We're still going to view those things, and there'll be tinges of you know the things that we don't find so great about it. But when you look at it overall and how well it goes, it's like, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we do it every, and why don't we wake up every morning and just, you know, surrender everything and then be able to follow through? I think the other really great anecdote or antidote, pardon me, I could guess I could tell an anecdote, but um, but the other good <laughs> you got antidote, one, bring it. <laughs> uh, 
The other good antidote to selfishness and envy is to go and spend time with people who have less mm. and to really invest in other people's lives. It doesn't even necessarily have to be somebody who has less, but just to, to invest in another person's life um, starts giving you a different sense of what's important. And you'll find, too, in that for me has been God puts people in your path that have what you don't have mm -hmm. and you have what they don't have mm -hmm. a lot of times. And sometimes it's very small. It can be a personality where it's like, man, you, you maybe it's you speak with confidence and I don't. And but I feel comfortable that you don't judge me and I can kind of be myself and, you know, it raises them up. And so it's fun to watch where God will do that when you start investing in somebody else and the different things that you're going to get and that, that they're going to get that. We probably didn't go into it thinking that, but we probably should have, knowing <laughs> what God will do. All right. Retha Nellis asked, how to deal with jealousy in the workplace? Just as an overall, is there, you know, because there's so many different dynamics from your title, how much you get paid, and just maybe the workplace politics in general, what do we need to do to deal with, with jealousy, maybe for ourselves or for those that might be jealous of us? Yeah, I would also just kind of go to that place where we where we recognize it for what it is, that a lot of times the, the animosity that we feel towards others is not about them. Uh, we are like, oh, they're so lazy. Oh, they're not, you know, they're kissing up to the boss. They're such, you know, they're not, they're, <laughs> they're so inauthentic. And it has a lot more to do with our own insecurities. Well, I want the boss to like me. Their lack of doing things is causing me to have to work harder. And so I think it's some, kind of some honest self-reflection is probably pretty important in there. And then also just the reminder that love is patient and kind, Ooh. which goes back to, you know, that very Last beginning week. part is that yeah. if you – the easy thing is to retaliate. The easy thing is to say, well, you're going to be that way. Well, I'm going to be this way. And especially in the workplace, this, is, this will create just toxic work environments when we – when, you know, one person is bad to us, so we go ahead and retaliate. We don't help them with their project or, or we pretend to help them with their project only to try to undermine it or sabotage it or, or whatever. Or, you know, when, when we have an opportunity to put in a bad word for them, we do. We just need to, again, go back to that. Um, am I content with what God has given to me? Am I going to go ahead and be kind even when those out there are not kind to me? And again, none of that takes away from having honest conversations to say to somebody, hey, I'm having to work really hard because you are not doing what you need to be doing to help with this team project that we're working on. And, and that person may just be like, what are you talking about? I'm working harder than you are. And then you're like, mm, no, no, you're not. And, and people aren't always reasonable. But <laughs> – um, but. I think that, again, the part we're, you know, we're in, it lies within your power to get along. That's that's what you have to do. Patient um, and kind. Patient and kind. It's all going to – I'm starting to see that we're connecting all the dots and we're going to have a pretty cool chain by the time this series is pretty all cool. over that we can uh, use. We're going to be talking about your arrogance next week. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, let's not talk about that yet. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's hold off as long as we can. One last, but question. I don't want to brag about that. So. No, don't brag. <laughs> that's also part of it. That's also. <laughs> Denise Kirshner asked, "What's the difference between a jealous, envious fantasy versus a God-given dream?" Hmm. Wow, that's a really good question. I think a God-given dream is 
the, for me, the kind of the difference lies within the exact wording of it. There's the God-given dream, yeah. and then there's what I want for me. And I think that maybe the best example of this is to go back to the David and Saul story that we were talking about before. God anointed David to be king years and years and years before he was going to make him king. And so David had to be patient with the God-given dream that had been given to him and not become jealous and make his jealousy of Saul be the impetus for him to make it happen for himself. Yeah. And I think that's our biggest temptation in life as human beings. We don't trust God. And we, particularly in our American culture, just believe that, you know, that God helps them that help, help themselves. themselves. And Nobody, so we need, yeah. I need to go ahead and help myself <laughs> with the God-given dream that God has given me. Yeah. And, and it's not that God didn't give you that dream, but what God didn't give you was that it was your job to force that dream to come true. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think too many times we we crowbar open doors that <laughs> that God has firmly locked for our own Absolutely. good, yep. instead of just trusting Him to unlock the door at the right time. And, and it's just been my experience in life that the things that God wants me to have, I usually get without me having to do more than what he's called me to do on a day-to-day basis in my regular everyday life. And so for me, the difference between a God-given dream and our own fantasies come down to, you know, who who put that there. And that's one of the ways I think that you can tell the difference between the two. If God opens those doors, then that, that was the God-given dream that he gave you. But if you're yeah. having to open the doors... May or may not be. Um, You know, Moses is a great example of that, right? Moses goes ahead and tries to open the door for himself when he kills the Egyptian when he's in, uh, he's been raised in the court of Pharaoh. And then he thinks, well, hey, this is God put me here for such a time as this to to free my people. And so I'm going to murder this guy because he is being abusive. And that wasn't God's time and God's way, but Moses tried to do it himself. And then when he's finally out in the desert and he finally has made peace with being a shepherd and a nobody, then God comes along and, and, and he's like, wait a minute, no, no whoa, not please. Now. <laughs> and so I think, it, again, God opens the doors that he wants open. And, and part of contentment in life is just trusting God with where he has you. Even and if it's for 40 years. Even if it's for 40 years. Mm. That's a tough one, though, when you it think is. about it. because super hard. Sometimes I have felt like, those dreams or those inclinations are really specific, oddly specific and very powerful. And you're like, yeah. But then you realize that how fast does life go? I mean, one minute you're you're 18 and then you're married, you got kids and you're you know, I'm driving around with Ellie in her, in her temps teaching her to drive. Like, when did all this happen? Right. But yet that dream is still, and some of them are still there going like, how in the world are these ever going to come true? But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be content. I guess that's the word for today is you have to be content Content. in Jesus and what he's given you. And, you know, guys, this was a weird, weird thing for me to prepare for. It just, nothing felt like it flowed. Nothing felt like it worked. And I'm, I'm really happy with our conversation. We did answer, I think, a few questions. One of our whole life reflections that I chose was just more great advice than a question. It was ask God to help you turn over your jealousy and envy to him, right? And God, take it away and make me content in who you have and what you have for me to be. And so I'm just curious because 
I didn't think the Menti was going to turn out the way it did. I didn't, you know, there was things that I had going in that I thought kind of a little preconceived about jealousy and envy, which I'm not sure I still believe the same way that I did before. And so if there's anything that we missed or there's anything that you're like, no, 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 no. I think I think the, I think it means this. Let us know. Voicemail or text 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Would love to hear from you and answer your questions just like those we answered earlier. Our final thoughts are from the closing to Ken's message. He gave us a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13, 4. He said, love is not afraid of others taking what it has and does not covet what belongs to another. What belongs to another. See, that one's pretty like, hey, that's yours. I'm I'm pretty okay with that. But no, none of us like to have things taken from us, right? I mean, we, that starts early on when you have siblings and they're like, no, give me this, crack you over the head and take it, <laughs> right? It starts from there and it doesn't ever seem to get so easy. But I do love the fact that this is wrapped within this whole series of love. And I'm I'm really thinking that by the time we get to the end of this, it's going to answer even more of these early questions because I think they're all so linked together. Like already, patience and kindness, even if you don't have this part, you still have to have that part. Otherwise, this is that's just going to exacerbate this part of the problem. So excellent message. I enjoyed it. I just totally didn't think it was going where we were, where I thought it was going. And that's great because that makes me think about it differently. So kudos to you, Mr. Wentmore. Kudos to you for running a great podcast, <laughs> But this next week, you know, this is a great podcast. Not that we're arrogant or bragging about it. No, no, we're just speaking truth. We'll, speak- <laughs> we'll find out next week. We will take our closing statement from this the, week. Uh, I sense one of the questions will be, what is the difference between, between confidence and arrogance? I, it's got to be there already. So be thinking about that for next week. Maybe that's when... You know, maybe if you have an idea what the difference between confidence and arrogance is, you just got those numbers. Swipe up in today's show notes and you can text or email us. And I would love to know what your definition is. And we could tackle that early on next week. So let's see if anyone takes us up on it. Because I saw a ton of people on Saturday in church scanning the podcast QR code. So if you're new this week, welcome aboard. And we're happy to have you. And hey, be the first one. Say, I'm a new listener. And I think the difference between confidence and and if you come up to Randy and say, Randy, I was I listened to your podcast for the first time this last week. You find him in church, he will sign an autographed picture of himself that he'll give to you because next week is uh, about arrogance and bragging. So <laughs> that's right. I'll be I'll be he'll be more than happy to sign an autograph for you. I'll be in the lobby all day with uh, with eight by tens. <laughs> yeah, you have to bring your own picture for him to sign. I thought but... you were going to say we'll give you a hat. Because usually Ken, Ken's the giveaway guy, so I thought they want your autograph. You're going to get a chip or a hat, but they're going to get Randy's <laughs> autograph. <laughs> Not that famous ever, but anyway, Come on. That, that's... there's only one way to make that happen. Let's <laughs> just start signing autographs so now. Right. Maybe give. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll leave some out in the lobby. Let's see if anyone takes them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if go. that works. All there right. You go. <laughs> well, thanks so much, you guys, for listening. We appreciate all the support. We've seen the numbers going up, and when we ask you to share, you've done that. We've seen our listenership go up and we just appreciate that you feel that the conversations that we have are beneficial and beneficial to those that you love and care about that you would share. So we appreciate that so much. So thanks again for listening and have a great week. 